1: Just before the podcast begins, I just wanted to have a little caveat. We recorded before the news of Diego Llorente's injury came out, and so some of the things that we said in this podcast are already outdated, so apologies for that. As it is, it looks like Luke Ayling will be playing at centre-back, Stuart Dallas at right-back and Jani Alioski at left-back. Anyway, hopefully there's other stuff you can get out of the podcast, so without any further ado, here is our West Ham preview. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the embarrassment of losing to Frank Lampard of the podcast. Why always him? And I'm joined by the hope given by an early goal of the podcast, Tom Woodhead. It is the hope that finally kills you. And finally, the Robin Koch meniscus tear of the podcast. (laughs) I've not changed the thing here. I'll go with it anyway and see how it goes. Inevitable, catastrophic, and prompting <laughs> prompting calls for stiffer sentencing. It's Tom Alderson. Tom, how are you?
2: <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Um, I've had someone in our um in our house fix uh, fitting a new door, and I was talking to him about the Chelsea game, and he said that he thought we were too it about the back too much and I had to resist the urge to not go into great detail about Chelsea pressing <laughs> so that's the effect that they had doing this podcast is actually having having on me I have to rein myself in when talking to people now <laughs>
1: <laughs> well actually you always got to be careful Tom Woodhead how are you doing
3: yeah I'm not too bad I've been trying to rein myself in for 36 years so <laughs> welcome to the club
1: yeah, Tom, like you are absolutely the sort of person who, if someone came round to mend a door and said something about Chelsea's pressing, that you would you would have a long conversation about that and explain to them why they were wrong. Yeah,
3: like, I would try not to, but um, yeah, it would go badly, I think.
1: <laughs> right, let's start off with a little bit of news, and of course, the only news worth talking about is the uh, the, the surgery that Robin Koch is going through to fix a meniscus tear on his knee. This is an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's obviously something that's been going on for a while. He's clearly been playing a little bit injured for a while. We've got to a point where uh, Diego Llorente has just about got back to fitness. And so the decision has been made to have Robin Koch's uh, knee surged. I don't know what the uh, past participle of that is, but he, he is going to have his knee um, bust open and fixed. And uh, I think there was an interview with, I, th- I think it was Freunde Elf, the, the German magazine, where it suggested that he was trying to be back by sort of springtime so that he would have a chance of playing in Euro 2020, which, as we all know, is being played in in 2021. How are we feeling about this? How are we feeling about the fact that it feels a little bit like our back line has been cobbled together every week, especially given that we spent a fair amount of money on our back line over the summer? So, yeah, who wants to kick off? Tom Alderson, what's, what do you make of the whole Robin Koch debacle, should we call it?
2: Well I suppose it's better than that we've now got Lorente to play there because otherwise it would have probably been ailing in then Dallas across the right back Alioski which doesn't sound great but
1: doesn't give you much wiggle room either does it
2: yeah it's just it's not great to hear and I I do like we've not had much of a look at Lorente but I do think he's a bit of a step down on Robin Cock so it is a bit worrying in that regard
3: yeah I mean it's obviously very disappointing um all I would say is that, you know, this is why we bought Llorente, um, so that he could cover for situations like this and hopefully not have too much impact on the team. So he's got a chance to do that. He strikes me as a player who, even if it didn't necessarily look that way against Chelsea, who believes in himself a lot and, and rates himself highly. So, you know, it's his chance to prove that he is, you know, better than cock now.
1: How did you feel about the performance against Chelsea?
3: Yeah, I mean... I was watching this uh, that game with my wife, and um, she was feeling very sorry for the way that Chelsea fans were um, jeering him every time he got the ball. And to be honest, that really did seem to get to him. To me, um, he he seemed thrown by it, which is understandable, I guess, when you know no footballer has really played in front of fans for nine months now. So to suddenly have your every touch jeered mercilessly it must be quite difficult um mm. yeah I, I honestly i didn't think he was great against chelsea but i think you guys went through it on the uh chelsea review pod uh and and summarized it quite well it's it's not really a fair situation coming fight on five or six minutes into a game like that so um you know let's see how he does at the weekend on friday
1: yeah, and I guess the interesting thing about the Chelsea game was that obviously in the second half Chelsea dropped off their high press and were happy to give the two centre backs the ball a lot of the time, which suggests that they don't think either of those two centre backs is going to be creative enough to cause any real problems. So Tom Alderson, what do you what do you make of that? Do you do you feel as though there's going to be a bit of a, a an outlet deficiency in the centre back department for Leeds going forwards?
2: Yeah, definitely. It was actually something I was thinking about for the West Ham game though. We it is nice to have well, like Ben White last year and cock to an extent this year, someone that we can help us break down those low block defences. Um, so it, maybe Lorente can step up to the play, but I haven't seen enough evidence of that to suggest that he, he could be. It might be that we see a shift maybe from a, a slight tactical shift in other ways to, to help us in that department.
3: The only thing I'd say is that um, from everything that we've heard, it seems like Coch was a victor Auto by Lorente was Bielsa's man and mm. I can't imagine Bielsa like angling for someone to come in who he doesn't feel has the the ball skills you know to to thrive in our back line so I'm sure Bielsa must think that he has the tools to to do that job and it's whether he can show it on the pitch.
1: Yeah I mean I would say that Lorenzo was playing at a different level when Bielsa was in La Liga, managing in La Liga regularly, mm. um, not that that means that he hasn't seen every game that Llorente has played <laughs> since then. So probably, he probably has, <laughs> he probably has exactly. So that, that probably um, does my does my um, point a disservice. But there's potentially the the op- option here that, that Bielsa sort of watched him, and really liked him when he was younger, and and the the more mature reality of Llorente hasn't really stacked up to to the potential that was offered back then, and and Bielsa is thinking that he can and mould him back into something closer to what he was earlier on. But that is that is a very speculative point of view. So um, I wouldn't read too much into it. Right, let's move on to talk about West Ham then. So this week I was lucky enough to chat to Charlie Dewars, who is a writer for Breaking the Lines and El Arte del Football. And this is what he had to say about West Ham. So Charlie, hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you.
4: It's uh, good to be on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been a pretty miserable day here but um, Leeds fans have been pretty miserable since the the Chelsea game as well so uh, I'm, I'm sure you're uh, looking forward to the Friday's game just as much as we are too so yeah H- how are you feeling about the uh, the game on Friday
4: um, I feel quite confident um, I know that we suffered a disappointing result at the weekend but there were there were positives and um, yeah I have faith uh, faith in the hammers coming this Friday
1: right so let's start talking about West Ham Last season, you finished 16th with 39 points. And um, this season, 11 games in, you're 8th and you're on target to get 20 points more than last season. Uh, so I suppose the question on everyone's lips is what has changed? What's happened?
4: I think the main uh, sort of reason for this turnaround is the change in system we've made. Uh, our first match of the season against Newcastle, where we played with a four at the back um, in the 4 2 3 1, and we looked lost we uh, we lost we lost the game 2-0 and we just were not organized there was no cohesiveness no idea of what sort of how what our identity is or how we wanted to play and the game after that when Moyes made the switch to a back 5 um it's given us it's given us stability and it's given us a, an almost like a counter attacking identity where we can we we can take teams on the break we have plenty of hard working mentally strong players who work excellently as a unit and are very, uh, as I said, very solid. And um, it, it looks like West Ham now are one of the teams in the Premier League who actually do have, you know, do have an idea of how they play and what their, you know, what their strengths are. Um, I think the back five definitely helps to play to a lot of our weaker players' strengths. Um, and it's shown in the, our performances recently.
1: How sustainable do you think the level of performance is, uh, is at? I mean, you we've said you're at um, eighth at the moment. Is that the sort of position you'd be happy with finishing at the end of the season?
4: Yes, um, I would be very happy with eighth. Um, I do think that, uh, in my opinion, I think either sort of a lower top half or maybe upper mid-table um, finish uh, at the moment Barring any injury crises, which, I mean, you know, every every West Ham fan knows what we're like with injuries. So uh, just uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. But um, yeah, no, I think uh, if you actually go back and look at how we played in um, our first um, set of games, um, the performances have been reasonably consistent. Uh, a couple of exceptions. I think the Aston Villa game, which we won 2-1, um, could have played better. We were quite lucky there. But overall, um, no, it's it's been an absolutely fantastic start, and I'm sure no West Ham fan expected us to have um, this many points, uh, this many games in. So, yeah, I do think there is some degree of sustainability to what we're how we're playing at the minute.
1: I haven't really looked at the underlying numbers for for West Ham, but I've just pulled up uh, Ben Mayhew's um, expected points table, and uh, he has you at seventh at the moment. Obviously, you're at six, so you, you've you've got a you're basically a point better off than you should be according to the numbers now I know that you know we we take the expected goals expected points tables with a pinch of salt uh, but it's pretty good pretty good indicator that you're you know you're worth your, your place in the in the table at the moment
4: yeah and if you if you go back to uh our individual results and look at the um sort of the underlying stats the expected stats um Lots of good, decisive performances where we have really created more and had more dangerous chances than those other teams, such as Leicester, Wolves, Sheffield United. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's good that the numbers are, to a degree, backing up what look like good performances on the surface.
1: Let's talk a little bit about your summer business. I guess uh, there'll be a lot of Leeds fans who are still sort of coming to terms with all the players who've moved around in Premier League side. So talk
4: to us a little bit about West Ham's summer business. Do you think it's panned out well? I think the signings that we've made um, have all been, so far, very beneficial to the team. Um, namely, uh, the, the permanent signing of Thomas Soshek I think that's how you say his name, um, who actually who was on loan for us in the remainder of last season, but now he's joined on the permanent, who has been an absolute revelation um, at centre midfield alongside Declan Rice. Um, his fellow Slavia Prague uh, ex-teammate Vladimir uh, Sufal, I believe <laughs> also joined us in the summer and has slotted in beautifully at right back almost as if he's been at us been at West Ham for many seasons. Um, very 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 encouraging start by by both of them. Um, as well as that uh, Saïd Ben Rama who joined on loan from Brentford um, has not featured he hasn't had a start yet. But has looked very good in flashes, and plenty of fans of West Ham fans are you know now, now. Now, you can kind of make the argument that he might deserve to start in our front three. Um, after I believe he's come, I believe he's had a few substitute appearances and already assisted two. So, um, yeah, he looks very promising. And last but not least, Craig Dawson, I can't really comment on because he hasn't played a game for us yet. But, um, it's good that we have that experience cover at centre back, seeing as now we play with uh three central defenders. So overall, I think we've had a uh, a solid transfer window. There are still positions, I think, need to be addressed uh, cover, like for cover, but so far it's been uh, very encouraging.
1: Yeah, and Leeds fans will know all too well about Saeed ben and his ability, as well as um, Jared Bowen as well, who you have uh, playing for you and look, looks pretty handy this season too. So I'm sure Leeds fans will have um, an eye on both of those players should they feature on Friday. Right, let's talk about David Moyes. What would you say the general take on David Moyes amongst West, Ham's, West Ham fans is these days? Obviously, a few seasons into his uh, stint at, um, at West Ham now and probably, I suspect, that the uh, fans are maybe a little bit higher on him than they have been.
4: Yeah, so I can say with confidence that uh, both times Moyes has been appointed, uh, the West Ham fan base, or the majority of the West Ham fan base, uh, didn't want him as manager. Um He sort of represented that like uninspiring sort of uh, just, as I know, uh, like sort of yes man option um, from the owners. But uh, to his credit, he has done his job both times. Uh, The first time round, he was here when Bilic was sacked. Um, He was brought in to keep us up and he did. And uh, last season, again, when Pellegrini went, it was to do the same, to keep us up and, you know, maybe get a sort of solid mid-table finish. And again, he provided that. So, I think he's really turned the corner with how the fans perceive him. And I think, you know, the start we've had to this season, you can see with how we play that it is his, the tactics and the selections and how we play that is down a lot to Moyes' coaching. And I think now the fans are slowly, that the fans have now realised that actually he deserves a lot of credit for how we're playing at the minute. Um, So, yeah, uh, he's. Yeah, I mean, he, he sort of exceeded all the expectations in a way because nobody nobody really wanted Moyes to begin with. So uh, yeah, no, and I'm, I'm personally very pleased with um, how he's managed the team so far.
1: Tactically, where would you say Moyes' West Ham are right now? What do you think the basic ideas are behind his team?
4: This David Moyes team, I think it, the main priorities are the you know, energy, the work rate to be able to outwork the other team be able to have more be able to cover ground you know cover lots of ground we have plenty of hard-working players in our starting 11 um, if you look uh, the likes of Declan Rice, Thomas Soshek, Jared Bowen, um, Pablo Fornaus, Mikel Antonio when he's fit we have a very we have a lot of very very hard-working players in that 11. Um, not only are do we have a sort of that hard-working spirit. We also have a lot of athleticism in our team, um, a lot of big, tall players, uh, physical players, a lot of quickness, a lot of pace. Um, and I think our actual style of play, uh, really, it's, it's quite direct, it's counter-attacking, it's quite simple, but it's very effective. And I think the way Moyes has coached the team, it's almost like we the players have a synergy and they, they, know, their, they know where to run, they know where to be, they know where their teammates are going to be. Um, it all... Watching us attack, it feels like we really know what we're doing and we're, we look a very well-coached side. So, um, yeah, Moyes, uh, again, the the tactical system uh, that Moyes has employed, um, the counter-attacking style, it fits West Ham to a tee, And I think the fans uh, definitely appreciate it so far.
1: Let's talk about the, the back five, back three that, you, that you're you using. Obviously, you used mainly back four formations last season, but this season you've moved over to a back three. I think you've only played a back four um, in the league, at least in the first game of the season, Then, then that switch was made. What do you think the logic behind the, the switch to the back three was?
4: So I think for for West Ham last season, we had a, well... We had quite a shaky defence, really. Um, we also had uh, probably didn't have the right personnel to employ a stable back four. I think if you look at the performances last season of Aaron Cresswell and Arthur Masawaku, who are both uh, our, our left-backs, um, they were not up to standard for the rest of the team. They were seen as the weak links. And adding this third centre-back, I think it's Fabian Balbuena is the one who's come in at, slotted in at right centre-back has enabled has really sort of played to both Creswell and Masuaku's strengths because now Creswell can play in like a left centre back role where he has more stability and doesn't have to bomb forward as much because he doesn't he, he's not that physical of a player. But we have Masuaku who, whilst he's not a good defender, is very, very good going forward. And this back three now enables the fullbacks to really bomb forward and show their attacking intent. And um you know being able to focus more on going forward than they do really going back. Uh, we also have two absolutely brilliant athletes in midfield with Declan Rice and Thomas Soshek, who can cover a lot of ground um, up and down the pitch and can shield that back four and win the ball back when, you know, when we're out of possession and team and the other team is breaking. So it, it really is a matter of the back three giving us that, that, that stableness, allowing us to win the ball back and, then hit our own sort of quick uh, fast tempo counter attacks. So that's where it's really, really helped us.
1: So do you see much flexibility within the 3-4-3 formation or the 5-4-1 formation that David Moyes uses?
4: What do you mean by flexibility, as in like how players can slot in? I guess how much movement you get within that in, in a
1: sort of tactical sense. Is it? A, is it a, I mean, the 3-4-3 three, three tends to be quite a, a solid formation, um, and especially when you're, you're playing your wing-backs a little bit deeper. Um, how, is, is all the flexibility coming from the front three in particular, and then, and then everyone else sort of has their roles and they sort of stick to that fairly rigidly?
4: Yeah, so on the... It, our, our front three, uh, which our first choice front three at the minute would be Pablo Fornauz, Mikel Antonio and Jared Bowen. Um, They're very much required uh, to track back and help out with with opponent attacks. So um, Fornauz and Bowen in particular were sort of occupied just in front of where the fullback is or sort of just the the fullback might tuck in out of possession and Bowen and Fornauz can then defend the wings um, in preparation for sort of a, you know, to try and win the ball back and then and then also get uh, in preparation for a, a counter-attack, whereas Antonio, I think, or Hanna, um would stay forward. So really Moyes demands quite a lot from his midfielders to really get up and down the pitch um, as quickly and as effectively as possible and, ev- and have everyone back defending as a unit. Um, in attack, it's uh, almost o- o- we almost kind of break in sort of a with five uh, at the other end of the pitch, with the front three and then the two fullbacks. Uh, we also have Thomas Socek, who uh, is, uh, sort of a, plays more of a box-to-box role, where he um, makes sort of late runs into the penalty area, almost as like another target man. So, yeah, there is a lot of um, flexibility with how our football is played in this 3-4-3, and it's certainly far from rigid. But, um, yeah, it's, so far, um, it's been very effective.
1: In terms of your forward line, there's been a bit of rotation between Seb Allaire and Mikhail Antonio. Who do you think is going to get the nod on Friday?
4: So I believe that if Antonio was fit, um, he would get the nod. Uh, However, I believe he's still um, recovering from a hamstring injury. Um, He came back, he returned to the squad uh, for the Aston Villa game and went off after 45 minutes. Um, So he missed a Man United game, and he, I don't believe he's fully fit for this Leeds game either. So it looks like it's going to be uh, Sebastian Aller uh, starting.
1: And injury-wise, is there anything else that Leeds fans should be aware of going on in on Friday?
4: Uh, I believe that we have two other cases of injuries. Uh, Andre Yarmolenko, um, I believe, has been out for uh, a couple of weeks now. But um, it's looking like he may make the bench for, um, for Friday's game. And the other injury is Ryan Fredericks. I'm not too sure about the details um, of the injury, but um, he is our second-choice right-back under Vladimir Sofal, so I can't really see him uh, featuring on Friday. Uh,
1: Let's talk about uh, weaknesses within West Ham's structure and play. What would you say are the weaknesses that Leeds should try to exploit?
4: I think the main weakness that I've noticed, particularly noticeable in um, this weekend's game against Man United. Was that um, our players in that game? We were not uh, clinical enough with our chances. Um, we don't really have any natural incisive finishers like a you know like, like a Jamie Vardy or a Danny Yings up front. Um, against Man United, we created a lot. Uh, we were very encouraging for about for sixty-five minutes. We were creating chance after chance, um, and you know should have had maybe two or three goals. Uh, Pablo Fornells and Jared Bowen. Um, you know, whilst they're both very good players um, and have and are you know, very, very good for the team, just weren't able to put away chances that, you know, a, 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 a higher level team would, you know, feast on. So, and, and Sebastian Ralea as well, I believe, missed, uh, um, was basically in on goal and fell over. So we, we <laughs> still have those, uh, we still have that, that issue where, you know, we, we have created a lot this season Um, but when you know the critical moments come at times West Ham can often uh, be frustrating with how they uh, put away their chances Um, as well as that I think the another thing worth noting is um, David Moyes's in-game management which uh, (laughs) has frustrated a lot of West Ham fans this year uh, a lot of late substitutions and I think um, when things aren't going quite right for West Ham um, that can be that that has been an issue in the past where you know a change has been needed but the manager hasn't reacted to it you know, at the appropriate time and often is too late with uh, his changes. So those, I'd say, would be the uh, the key weaknesses for West Ham uh, this season.
1: So how do you think you're going to line up on Friday?
4: OK, so I believe um, it will be a fairly... I believe, actually, I think it will be a, an unchanged lineup from the Man United game. So it will be Lucas Fabianski starting in goal. I'm sure there'll be no uh, no debates there. Um, at right back, Vladimir Sofal. Uh, the three centre-backs, Fabian Balbuena. Angelo Ogbonna and Aaron Cresswell, uh, left wing back Arthur Masuaku, uh, in in the centre of midfield uh, Thomas Soshek and Declan Rice, and then a front three of Jared Bowen, uh, Sebastian Aller and Pablo Fornells.
1: One question I always ask our guests is, which players on your side do you think need to perform
4: well in order to beat Leeds? Um, I'd say um, it would have to be um, it would have to be the front three for West Ham. Um, I think especially the likes of Sebastian Aller and Pablo Fornells, I think um, maybe ha- haven't performed, haven't been as clinical. I've been frustrating to watch at times in the past couple of weeks. And I think a lot of West Ham fans will agree with me on that. Uh, there's quite a lot of pressure from the, uh, the West Ham online community to give, uh, to actually drop Pablo Fornells and give Saeed Rama his first West Ham start in the Premier League. So yeah, um, I think that Moyes will stick with four um, I but I really think we need to see a good performance from him uh, against Leeds. Um, he is is a, a player that works very hard, um, is very is very good creatively, uh, is very very good passer of the ball, but as a forward, um, he can be um, quite frustrating to watch, especially with his end products. So I'd like to see a really good performance from him, and I think if he does turn up and is incisive, then we could have you know. It, it, this game could be very much in our favour. Sebastian Allaire as well um, has shown encouraging signs um, at times, but also, again, gets criticised because uh, ha- comparing him to Antonio, who's a very hard-working, dynamic, fast, explosive player, uh, Allaire sometimes looks he doesn't look quite like he fits our system as much as Antonio. But I'm sure if he was to turn up against Leeds... Um, opinion on him you know might change and he could potentially almost be in like a rotation with Antonio when Antonio returns to fitness so those are the two players I'd really like to see uh you know put in a really good shift on Friday
3: I don't
1: ever ask for predictions feel free to give one if you want but what I do ask is how you expect the game to flow how you expect to open it to open out and uh, what you expect to see on the pitch on Friday so how do you expect the game to go
4: well I, I expect Leeds to um have most of the possession um It's been really good watching Leeds play this year. Um, And I know that they'll be happy to, you know, spend a lot of time on the ball. Um, Whereas I think West Ham, we are going to be more sort of sitting back, picking our opportunities to break forward and maybe have a few spells of possession ourselves. Again, I I do think that, uh, you know, our our front three uh, against Leeds' back line, um, they, it's very important that, you know, we, we have that physical edge on them and, um, We'll be looking to get the ball up to them uh, as quick as possible, really. Um, as for predictions, um, I mean, I'm going to have to back the hammers. Um, <laughs> so uh, I am going to predict that West Ham are going um, uh, to walk away with a, a, at least a point. Uh, but um, we'll have to wait and see. I think it will be a good game regardless.
1: Well, Charlie, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. What is the best way for people to follow the stuff you put out about West Ham?
4: Yeah, so you're free to follow me on at CharlieNData on Twitter um i haven't actually uh put much out in a while because of a new job i've uh, recently started on but um yeah uh follow me there for um future uh west ham stats uh pieces opinions articles not just about west ham but about football in general and it's been uh yeah it's been great uh, um, being on all stats aren't we well thanks so much for chatting that's okay anytime
1: So that was Charlie Dewar's writer for Breaking the Lines and El Arte De F- del Football.
2: Tom Alderson, what did you make of that? There were a couple of things that really worried me listening to that. And it was, I'm not, it's like a, not a direct quote, but he said the big, tall, physical players, um, <laughs> which scared me, and the counter attack as well as playing a, four, a 3 4 3. So it's just everything that Leeds don't like, really. So <laughs> yeah, as. These pods do have a tendency to make me feel really negative going into games now, and I think this is going to be another one of those, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting because I, I kind of, I, I don't know, I watched a few West Ham games in the last couple of days and I don't feel too bad about it for various reasons that I guess we'll get into. But Tom Woodhead, what about you? What did you make about this?
3: Yeah, um, this was the first contributor we've had on one of these for a while that seemed pretty confident of a, a win for their team. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's just because West Ham are in... Uh, sort of broadly, good form at the moment, and uh, you know that's always going to make you feel more confident and happy about your team. Or, or if he thinks that there's something specific about Leeds that Chelsea, I don't know Chelsea, I'm in PCSD here, <laughs> um, uh, that West Ham can exploit. Um, uh, one thing I thought was quite interesting was him talking about Moyes being slow to react to in-game changes, um, and as we know, this we make a lot of in-game changes uh, depending on. Um, various factors in the game, so I was wondering if that's something that Bielsa might be able to exploit if we do change things around a bit. That Moyes will be a bit, little bit slow on the uptaker uh, in terms of com- uh, countering it.
1: Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the three four three because we talk a lot about the three four three on this podcast for various reasons. We've we've come up against a few teams, we've played and we've struggled a little bit against it. Um, how do we how do we feel about um, West Ham's three four three? Because I think you know there's there's it's interesting isn't it how many teams in the Premier League are playing in a sort of 3-4-3 formation at the minute. I think that's there's part there's I was thinking about this and I think there's a few factors that play into that. One is that, you know, if you are not a top 6 side um and you're going to come across like decent attacking top 6 sides, then a 3-4-3 is a pretty decent um dif- defensive structure to use to 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 sort of clog up a little bit so there's a few teams that like like we've seen like Leicester City like to play uh 3-4-3 and sit a little bit deeper and um uh, and can, are able to counter attack from there and um we've we've seen uh, we've seen Wolves do that as well um so I, I guess the, the the questions that i have about the 3-4-3 is what what, what is it in particular about the 3-4-3 that worries us um, as as Leeds fans um, we talked a lot I think after the Chelsea game about pressing in wide areas um, and I think that's that's the reason why I'm so worried about the 343 because it does offer you a decent structure to press in wide areas the question is whether or not teams will do that we played against we played against Arsenal and they didn't do that and they use a 343 so I guess my question is like what is it about the West Ham 343 that worries us Tom Woodhead
3: um, I think in general the uh are- The 3-4-3, I mean, we've talked about the pressing in wide areas and stuff a lot on this podcast, but um, uh, I think it's particularly problematic uh, for our man-marking system, like, no matter how it's played, because if Bielsa wants one free player each end of the pitch, uh, then you're basically being forced to push either one of the wingers or one of the midfielders onto one of the op- onto the opposition centre backs, and I think that can really damage our basic defensive structure in transition, and it can create a lot of space for fast breaks um, from from the opponent, which is something we're quite weak against anyway. So I think it, it's definitely the hardest formation for us in terms of the man marking system. Certainly, with the personnel, we've mostly played this system. Um, and it, it it's not quite as bad when we play against a 3-5-2 like Sheffield United play, because we'll also play with a back three in that system, which naturally stretches the basic defensive core wider and gives a bit more cover in those wide areas. So I think the 3-4-3, it, it, it's, it, it just makes the way that we want to play a lot more difficult than most of the
2: formations. I had a bit of a look at the stats, and... Then West Ham so this was from the uh, the Athletic and an article in the Athletic on the 20th of November so they are in the 14th in the league for passes per defensive action so obviously it's like um, um how uh, intense their press is so i think it might be similar to Arsenal's sort of 3-4-3 where they don't really press us in those areas um but one thing i want to add about sort of the 3-4-3 is it makes it hard if our wingers beat the outside the wing back almost there's just someone there to clean up straight away so it just it makes it um that's just the main thing that stifles our build up really yeah no that is that is interesting and
1: um i guess i guess for me and i tried to push charlie on this just sort of asking like if there's any flexibility in his he thought in the 343 uh, because the impression i got from watching was that they're just sort of very solid and then they'll just try and counter attack at a at, at pace using players like um jared bowen Pablo fournals um, uh, Side Benrahma is obviously an option as well, uh, with then a big target man. And I guess the question then is: I mean, how much does that worry us? Because that's 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 the edge that they have in their three-four-three. It's it's that they can sort of sit deep. Absorb pressure and then break a pace. And I guess the question is how much How much does that does that worry us if we can get the game in a sort of, sort of situation where if they aren't pressing particularly intensely, we can sort of maintain most of the possession. Surely that puts us in the, the driving seat, doesn't it, Tom Woodhead?
3: Yeah, I I wasn't entirely sure about what sort of defensive system West Ham played. With it being Moyes, as I assumed it would be. A sort of low block and then I had a few a look at a few things online and variously described as like a low mid block or a low block and things like that so yeah it does sound like Tom was saying like it might be a bit more like the Arsenal game um, but with them looking to get the ball forward a lot more quickly than Arsenal did. Obviously the, the,
1: the beauty of covering Leeds United is that there's a, a logic behind the way that Marcelo Bielsa structures his team that reacts to the 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 structure of the opponent. So we have a pretty good idea that what we're going to play here is going to be a back uh, a back four to counter their front three. And then we'll probably play roughly a sort of two up front. It'll probably be from the 4-1-4-1 with one of the two eights pushing forward. Probably Rodrigo, I would suspect. Um, and then we'll match them up player for player in midfield. So the two... Um, the two wide players matching up to the to the wing backs, and then the two central midfielders matching in the in the the two central midfielders. Um, are we happy with that? Is that what we expect is going to happen, Tom Alderson?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think this with them playing free at the back, it makes sense to bring Rodrigo back in um, to almost play as like as a mix between the eight and the striker because I don't really fancy Click or Stuart Dallas um, doing that role, and with. In the midfield, that would kind of leave us sort of like Click and Phillips matching up with Rice and Suchek. I think that's right. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to see. Cause like, um, Phillips will probably, you'd imagine, have quite a bit of time on the ball. So be, um, hopefully he can sort of have a game like he did against Everton.
1: I suppose one of the things we've said in recent weeks is that Bielsa doesn't really like changing up his. Formation or play, personnel in the formation went, he feels as though they're playing well. Um, if it's almost as though players have to play themselves into contention. Um, if we were to play the same sort of lineup that we played last week, Tom Woodhead, would it simply just be the same the the, the case of like pushing Dallas slightly further forward to to um mark one of the um the the two midfielders and have um uh, click playing as that second striker or do you think it would just it just makes no sense to do that and we will just see Rodrigo?
3: I think if we stuck with the same team it'd be more likely that he'd push Harrison up to mark one of the to mark the defenders and sure. it would be I guess Dallas would um pick up Dallas would pick up the uh the opposing fullback or wing back instead. Yeah. That'd okay. be my guess, or, or Alioski if he did a yeah, similar yeah, yeah. thing to against Everton. So you're playing
1: basically a four-four-two with with Dallas at left back, Alioski at left wing, and then basically at Harrison as a as a second striker. Yeah, yeah, hmm. that makes complete sense. Let's talk. So in terms of the 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 the, the centre back issue, um, obviously, Urente is is the cover for for Robin Koch. We're, we're being told it's, there's no chance that we don't think that um that Luke Ayling is going to be used as cover and then I guess you could bring in Dallas as a right back use Alioski as a left back and then bring in um Rodrigo as well
3: I think that's really the kind of um it's that's the kind of move that would really possibly destroy Lorenzo's confidence I think after he had a bit of a dodgy debut um I do, it doesn't strike me as a very Bielsa thing to do I think he's brought this player in he's got he feels like he's got belief in him um so I, I would expect to see your start personally.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I think Lorente will come in uh, straight for cock, and then it, it kind of does worry me that we might stick with the same team, but we didn't perform very well. So yeah, I would li- I would like to see Rodrigo come in in the central midfield area. Um, I always find it kind of
1: interesting when Leeds play against a midfield two. Um, one of the things that I've sort of been outspoken on is that we know that Leeds in various situations will. Um, we'll play this sort of positional play which is all based around this idea of getting using your player movements to create attacking edges all around the field and one of the things that we've done a lot this season is just vacated the central area pretty much entirely um, in a bid to get our players into dangerous positions in either wide areas or forward areas Um, one one of the things about West Ham's midfield too is that it it strikes me as being really defensive Uh, so they've got Declan Rice who's a sort of fairly classic um, defensive midfielder. And then they've got Sucek, Thomas Suchek, as you've said, in, and next to him, who feels quite defensive as well in many respects. Do you feel as though... Uh, West Ham have sort of put all of their defensive eggs in one basket in having quite solid midfielders um, when it is the case that Lee's probably going to vac- vacate the central spaces a lot of the time anyway and even when they do play um, forward they try to work their way down the wings rather than through the middle is that something that will suit us uh, are we taking away an edge that, um, that that West Ham potentially have like one of their strengths in, in their midfield to Tom uh, Alderson
2: Potentially but if we do vacate that midfield space it could be that just one of one of them is quite happy to come over and help in which case that they'll just it will just stifle us out wide even more um and i think i don't know if we did if we did go through the middle it's, it's a difficult one to say because if we did if we did go through the middle then we might um we might struggle again because of the just how defensive they are um so what one thing that might be the case that is if we do build up on the wing and they do, i would bring someone across or just to keep those two players in the middle the switch might be something that could potentially unlock West Ham um, if in that way and I
1: guess the other thing is when we play a midfield too is that Calvin has to kind of push up quite a bit Um, we we don't see that happening um, a huge amount um, a lot of the time so Tom Woodhead what's your thoughts on on sort of Calvin and 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 Click having to cover those two central players Um, how do you think that could impact the game?
3: I I quite like them as a as a pair for, for these sort of situations. And um, I think I, I've talked about it on the podcast before, how I think Calvin is quite good at, um, at looking to drop back, even when he's, he he's not, he's, he's not actually dropping back, like being aware that he will need to drop back soon. Um, and I think click is, is definitely the, the sort of the best, um, The best sort of in between player we've got, and uh, you know, uh, uh, that stops us from having this sort of uber defensive two, like uh, like you're saying that Chelsea uh, keep doing it, Um, like you keep saying that West Ham have. Um, So uh, yeah, I I think I think it's a good pair personally. Um, I can't think of you know, uh, unless unless you're talking about a somehow fit Adam Forshaw, we we don't have a better option. uh, to play that sort of that, that sort of midfield too than those two.
1: Let's talk a little bit about their attacking players. Then we've we've mentioned that they've got a fairly fluid front three. Um, they do have two players who, as I mentioned in the conversation with Charlie, the Leeds fans have got a lot of experience of in Jared Bowen and Said Um Which of the which of those? Players in the in the West Ham team, do you worry most about Tom Woodhead? Which are the players that you think are going to cause us the most problems?
3: Well, West Ham are one of those teams that have really, uh, well, it's not it's not their problem, but they, I I feel like I don't know very much about West Ham um, because. They've, they they, they t- seem to sign loads of players and sell loads of players every season. And over the last few years, since you've been able to watch every Leeds game because of things like iFollow and you know streams being more prevalent, I feel like I've lost touch with the Premier League a bit. Right. Uh, so it's they're definitely one of the teams that I feel like I've got the least knowledge of just because of that sort of churn and like turnover of players that I've not been paying attention to. Um, I'm glad Michael Antonio isn't playing, uh, if, if, if that's definite, because... He's always looked very impressive when he's played up front whenever I've seen him. Uh, He seems to sort of have a little bit of everything and an extremely physical player. And I just kind of, there's something I find very alluring about players who Make unexpected positional changes, like oh. especially late on in their career, because he played on the wing or even at fullback for some of his career I think so um i 'm glad he 's not playing uh, and bowen is obviously i I always thought Bowen was a very composed finisher that 's the main thing I remember about him from the championship, uh, which is it 's surprising that Charlie was saying that they had problems they 've had problems finishing their chances because bowen that always struck me as bowen 's main strength was when he went one on one, you felt he was always going to score
1: it's interesting what you 're saying about about West Ham being hard to judge because you know they I mean there's a sense in which they they have gone beneath the radar a little bit but obviously this season they're doing so much better than they were last season um and I think that's partly why it's been it's hard to judge because suddenly West Ham are a, a sort of decent side but if we would've been facing them last season we'd've been like oh it's West Ham you know we probably should be beating them um and essentially what's happened is they've made this structural change and it's made them a lot harder to beat and I was looking as I said I looked at the underlying numbers and you know West Ham look pretty pretty honest for their position according to the underlying numbers so they're they're clearly defending well and they're creating enough chances to to justify them winning the games they're winning so um, I wondered if that came into it at all as well whether it you know it's hard actually to judge how good this West Ham side are because we expect them to be worse than they are.
3: Yeah, well I I was I can't remember exactly which podcast it was, but I was listening to a football podcast and um they were talking about West Ham and about David Moyes and how he's he's essentially he said uh, you've had a succession of managers at West Ham who've had to to a certain extent pander to the wishes of the Sullivans mm-hmm. and um, and, uh, and and the fans in terms of playing certain players um, playing people in certain positions doing uh, doing things you know the West Ham way quote unquote mm-hmm. but um, and, and Moyes whether it's a combination of lockdown or the trust he's now got from the board or you know a combination of all those different things he seems to have basically said fuck it I'm going to play the David Moyes way Um and surprise, surprise, when you're not trying to, you know, add in these sort of contradicting factors to the football, it seems to have massively improved their results. Yeah, Tom Alderson, I'll put
1: the same question to you. Which of the West Ham players are you worried about in particular?
2: Yeah, so uh, Bowen is one of the players that I'm qu- uh, quite worried about. Whenever I've watched West Ham this year, he just looked really good. Um, and we all we know all about him from the matches against Hull in the Championship. Uh, the other player that, bit, I don't know, a bit of an unusual one maybe that kind of stood out to me was Aaron Creswell. Uh, so he's like he's playing on the left of a back three for them now um but he's like one of those where because he's like a fullback playing there, he's got a bit more option to push on um so he, he sort of he could cross he's crossing the ball into the box but like from deep and more a more sort of inside channel um and it's creating quite a lot of chances um so yeah which is something I've picked up on uh from watching matches so yeah it would be I think if we it might be that we have to sort of close him down quickly to try and stop that um because that has been sort of sort of this worked quite well for West Ham this year.
1: Yeah, especially given what we said about the forward press for Leeds against Chelsea. Um, it would be great to see us getting our press back um back into some kind of uh, functionality because um, if if he's able to just wander forward um, easily enough then then that could cause us problems. Um just one more question about about the way that Leeds will set up, um, obviously the, the the positions that we have the most fluidity uh, around with respect to who's going to start where, etc. is the is the wide positions. So, I wonder, Tom Alderson, which which two players do you expect on the wings um, for Leeds this this Friday? Do you, do you think that we'll just stick with Rafinha and Harrison, or do you think there's a, any possibility of a of a switch up?
2: I think Rafinha, hundred um, percent. I I just don't see Harrison being dropped. It's a bit like, even if he's not playing that well, which he he hasn't really for the last couple of games, I just, he's played, pretty. Well. he's one of those like just have to click that's played pretty much every game um, for Bielsa at Leeds. So I just, I can't see Harrison being dropped. And I think we have, we've not really seen Costa on that left-hand side. So I don't know, would it be Rafinha over to left, mm-hmm. Costa to the right? But then I think you reduce Rafinha's... Um, output if you play him over there. So yeah, for me, I'll just stick with the two that are there already and hope Harrison can hmm. get over his troubles with the 3-4-3. Yeah,
1: it does seem to be that he's, he has struggled against more defensive formations. Um, Tom Woodhead, do you do you think there's, there's anything about this game that suggests Harrison is going to have a good game? Because it feels as though whenever we sort of Acknowledge that a struggling, and then we're like, you know, they're they're having a bad game. They they usually come out and have an absolute blinder. So, is there any chance that Harrison will have a good game against West Ham? Do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, I think Harrison. Part of the reason why it's unlikely that yeah. Harrison will dr- be dropped is that um, is that uh he's 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 all he's always very diligent in his defensive work, and particularly in a game that it, the circumstances of it might end up that he needs to mark one of the uh, center backs or. Push up to do that job. I don't think any of our other wingers are as, as well suited to that as Harrison is. So um, yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if, if he does get dropped. And the the thing with Harrison isn't it? It's it, it's never really about his technical ability. It's all about his decision making and making the right decision in two or three occasions on the game can be the difference between Harrison getting two mm. assists and a goal and getting absolutely nothing. So um, I think it, he always tries. He always stands in the right place, you know, in the grand scheme of things, which is sounds like a stupid thing, but it's actually very important. Mm. Um, And yeah, I mean, I I really hope he can turn it around because he's he's a he deserves it for the amount of work that he puts. in. I think to, you know, start putting some really good performances in in the Premier League after, you know, a, a, a very eye catching goal in the opening weekend versus Liverpool and some quite middling performances since then
1: and i guess if we do end up seeing you know alioski dropped and dallas at left back then the expectation will be for um, Harrison to mark the wing back as well which is I think partly why we think that Harrison plays badly when we play against the 3-4-3 because he just has so much more defensive um, responsibility in those sorts of formations as well so yeah it would be interesting to see how that goes so let's ask the question that we ask every week which is which players are we expecting good performances from if we are to beat West Ham Tom Alderson which players need to play well on Friday
2: I think this is the sort of game that should suit Phillips so I think We'd expect him to sort of have a game similar to, to well maybe not completely the same to Everton but he should be given space um, to to do what he does and then I think if we are going to do well I think we're going to need one of Cooper or Lorente to uh, put, bring it out from the back and sort of do the uh, job that Robin Cox has been doing to help us break down the low uh well low lowish block defences so yeah those two and then probably one of the wingers is going to have to do something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's the sort of tactical insight you can expect from all, all stats, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. do, do something. something. <laughs> doesn't matter what, just do it. Um, Tom Woodhead, how about you?
3: Yeah, I was going to say Lorente just because um, I, I think considering he's, he looks like he's now going to have a sustained run in the team, it's important that it, he doesn't it doesn't become a problem, um, and that he you know believes in his believes in his own ability. Um, yeah, I, I I would have said, yeah, either one of the wingers or Rodrigo, we need someone to come up with the goods creatively to um to, to, to just be a bit more unpredictable and Rafinha's been been good at that since he's come into the team. But um it'd be nice if we could have our creativity coming from more than one position in the same game because I think we'd be so much more dangerous if we had both, for example, Rodrigo and Rafinha providing that sort of flair and unpredictability in attack.
1: So Finally, then, how do we expect the game to unfold on Friday? Um, we'll go with you, Tom Woodhead, on this one.
3: Yeah, I'm. A, I think it might be one where we do try and come out of come out of the traps quickly and uh, get right into them from the start. Um, from as I say, I've I've not watched a great deal of West Ham, but my from my experience of watching Moise's teams in the past, they don't tend to have particularly fast starts. I I, I have this feeling that they. They score more goals in the second half than in the first half. Like certainly is Everton team. My impression was that there were a lot of nil nils at half time. Um, so I'd like to try and see us get into the game as quickly as possible. And Tom Alderson, how do you
1: see the game unfolding?
2: So there's there's one thing that does worry me about this game is I've got I just had a look at XG from set play from the Premier League teams this year. So West Ham are actually second on that, uh, with four point one seven behind Chelsea, nonetheless. So, uh, it's an, that is another thing that worries me about the game on Friday. Um, so, I think it'll it'll probably go similar to the the Wolves game. Probably, um, I think we'll have a lot of the ball and struggle to create. And I can just see them getting something from a corner or um, on a counter attack, just pl- playing to their strengths. Really. So, yeah, I'm a bit I'm a bit worried. And if we if it came away with a point now, I'd actually be quite happy to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I feel quite positive about the game on Friday. Um because I think that the 3-4-3 causes us problems against teams that are going to sort of press um, quite stringently in wide areas and then try and counter-attack us that way. I don't think West Ham are going to do that. Um, That doesn't mean to say I'm not worried about the fact that we have to try and break down a a potentially low block if we can maintain possession for a while. Um, But it's one of those games where maybe maybe i am worried about the fact that you know if we don't break them down and they catch us on the counter attack they nick a goal and whatever but it's one of those ones where i think after a game against chelsea where there was um certain weaknesses exposed by chelsea that i really didn't enjoy watching exposed i don't think i can see that happening quite so much in in the west ham game and i think if we do end up losing in a in a sort of counter attacking moment i think it will be very on un, un, undeserved and so in that sense i i, I will feel as though we've done enough probably to, to to deserve to win but it just hasn't worked out that way. I don't know whether or not that's a, a, a useful distinction to make between two different ways of losing um, and it's probably a very negative way of looking at it but in terms of the actual gameplay I, I kind of feel as though this is a, a game that we'll be very much in. Um, I think it should be a fun game, uh, it should be fairly end-to-end and um, I think we have... We have the ability, I think, to play the ball around West Ham um, more than maybe some of of the other teams that we're going to struggle against this this season as well. So I'm actually fairly positive. But yeah, watch this space. No doubt it will come back to bite me on the arse. (laughs) (laughs) Right, there you have it. That's the uh, All Stats, aren't we? Preview for the West Ham game. That game is obviously happening on Friday. So we will probably be back with you on Saturday to give you a, a breakdown and review of that. If you like our content and you want to see more of it, then you can head over to our Patreon channel where we have lots of uh, bonus content for subscribers. Uh, we put up video analyses. We put up uh, bonus podcasts as well. We're thinking of running a question and answer session, a live question and answer session at some point in December, which should be good fun for you to get involved with. So if any of that sounds interesting, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash we and see what we've got on offer over there. Three people who've done that this week are Jonathan Roberton, kevin duckworth and james capstick um, so as i say we'll be back on saturday with a review episode all that remains for me to do is to say thank you tom thank you and thank you tom thank you and we need to get more people on this podcast with different names but we'll be back <laughs> with you um, in the next few days so try and enjoy the game on friday